Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm here with my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we will be getting into the Mavericks clutch time victory over the Denver Nuggets, 116 to 115. Blinking, you might miss it, but the Mavericks are on a three-game win streak now, actually building up some momentum. They've won four out of their last five. It was definitely an ugly, sort of skittish game that had a lot of weird sort of nuances go down just in terms of like a ton of fouls called a ton of traveling calls it was like basically the penultimate 2022 weird nba game especially with how many travels are getting called league-wide this year um and you know of course tim hardaway jr probably the main sort of theme that we can look at in this game he continues his hot shooting he over the last five games, has averaged 24.4 points on 54.5 um, shooting from the three-point line. Um, just the most really unexpected positive regression that we none of us really foresaw after an extremely rough start to the season. And this one, you know, he did miss two really clutch time free throws that were could have been costly if Jamal Murray would have decided to just screw around and hit a half-court shot. But – Tim in this one, 29 points, six for eight from the free uh from the uh, three-point line, seven for 12 from the field, nine for 12 from the free throw line. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. just seems to be on a sort of another, he's on another playing field offensively right now. And I think that now that we this trend has continued and persisted for five games, you know, this is starting to maybe change some narratives in regards to how we view him on this team. What were you most impressed by by Tim Hardaway Jr. tonight, Jaron? Yeah, you know, I think he was just always ready. Uh, I mean, at times early early on in that first quarter, you know, it, it seemed like he made a point to put his head down, drive to the hoop and get to the foul line. He did really good. I feel like uh, he was the only guy to get into double digit free throws for the Mavericks. Um, and in doing so, you know, it shows what stat line um, he freed himself open for a lot of threes, drained a lot of threes, some clutch threes, um, a lot of corner threes. I mean, Pretty much, he, he had it going all night. No, 100%. And a guy who was initiating that got a lot of hockey assists in this game. Um, you know, those little flare screens that Tim would set or Dorian would set. And this guy was, you know, feeding them with behind-the-back passes or when he got doubled, just, you know, being able to kick it out. Luka Doncic with a 22-point triple-double. One of the most quiet triple-doubles, question mark, that I've seen. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of interesting little digs from this game. We'll be getting all into it here. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaron. So during the ad break, guys, Jaron actually brought up a cool little nugget. No pun intended because we obviously played the Nuggets tonight. <laughs> um, but, Jaron, would you like to tell the uh, the viewers um, your little stat that you were able to consume from yeah, well, the, uh, this night's event of um, NBA games? Of three NBA games. Uh, yeah, so my little curious mind looks over on the NBA app to look at all the scores. And one little nugget I found was uh, every team who won today between the Cleveland Cavaliers, Detroit Pistons, and Dallas Mavericks, they all scored 116 points. 
that's i mean very obscure sort of outlandish thing and i know it's not marriage related <laughs> at all but um we we saw that during the ad break and we're like you know we have to say this is too cool um needless to say that, that's our a, that's, or go ahead. that's our espn stat yes that is our that is our espn you know bleacher report um propaganda thumbnail <laughs> like clickbait whatever you want to call it right okay um but regardless this game could have been vastly different the mavericks may not have scored 116 points if just a few things went wrong right um they could have in fact scored more if they were just able to put this game away closer i mean uh faster um let's go ahead and fast forward to that fourth quarter before we get into sort of the holistic approach of this game right in that fourth quarter the Mavericks, I believe it was from four minutes and seven seconds left in the fourth quarter to 17 seconds, did not get one field goal. Um, did they even make any free throws in that? Yeah, they made some free throws uh, in that time span. No, they actually didn't. They stuck at 111 until Dorian made that three. Wow. Um, Jaron, kind of break down the sort of stagnation that ended up happening with that Mavericks offense there at the end. Um, it kind of seemed as if the, the Nuggets sort of were kind of doing a really good job um, staying, you know, playing Luca in that middle ground, if that makes any sense, um, sort of playing the pass and the drive, yeah. kind of making him, you know, giving up the drive at the last second, but making him overthink a little bit. Um, you know, the shooting started to tail off down a little bit, some errant passes. What, what kind of happened in that fourth quarter in terms of the Mavericks offense just seemingly stagnating? Yeah. So, I mean, you have to like kind of look like the Mavericks were up at, by 10 points at one point, I wanted to, I want to say it was a one eleven to one Oh one. And by, you know, with four minutes left uh, usually this would be time you give the ball to Luca. He takes over and puts the dagger in the coffin. And um, I mean, I think that's kind of what the Mavericks were just pretty much staring at Luca to do. Uh, it seemed like the offense really stagnated whenever Luca would hold the ball for long periods of time and props to the nuggets. Cause they really, you know, as you said, they clogged the passing lanes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought uh, Bruce Brown and Caldwell Pope no, did a Bruce, phenomenal job defending on Luca a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Brown for like pretty much the whole game. I felt like did a really good job on Luca. Um, but yeah, you know, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, uh, Bruce Brown, uh, I've, maybe I feel like that was pretty much about it, but they did a really, really good job defending Luca those final four minutes. Uh, and in doing so, the Mavericks didn't get a single field goal. I'm not, I know Luca got some just jack up fadeaways um, at the end of the shot clock, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like it stagnated the offense and pretty much the hot, the offense was on a roll the whole entire night, just simply because everybody was passing up great shot or good shots for better shots. Um, and that just, you know, was just non-existent in those final four minutes. No. Yeah. So, uh, the possession before you referenced that Dorian three, of course, that we'll get to here in a sec, Bruce Brown, um, off a hockey assist from Jokic actually makes a corner three after having missed one, the, uh, previously, it kind of just seemed like the Mavericks were just biting at the nail to give this game away. Like they were doing everything in their power to lose essentially, but they somehow <laughs> still came out on top. And, um, you know, the Nuggets bench got all hyped. And there was a, a, a weird sort of, sort of inverse as the Mavericks bench did the same thing. Um, where basically they actually had sort, some sort of semblance of offense um, instead of, you know, Luca. Because I don't know what it was specifically, but in this game, you know, maybe it'd be the higher altitude. Uh, second out of back-to-back, you know, you can't blame the guy. But Luca did have um, not a rough – overall game but definitely a rough shooting game uh, just in terms yeah. of getting 
getting into the paint. You know, he shot four for nine from three, which is all fine and dandy, but um, he was having a really rough time finishing tonight. And you just kind of, you know, would you agree that his legs just, just kind of didn't seem there at times in terms of his explosiveness getting to the rim? Yeah, he looks he looked tired to say the least. I know some some of his jump shots were very short, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think a, I mean, I hate to make excuses, but yeah, I mean, it was a second out of a back to back. Again, he didn't play in the fourth quarter, but I mean, yeah, you're playing, the last two uh, games, the last two games, he hasn't played in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, last two games, but it, on that back to back, he didn't have to play in the fourth quarter against the Suns, um, and I mean, you can contribute that to the higher altitude in Denver, um, but yeah, I mean, for sure, like Luca just looked super tired i mean it, it definitely came to him uh and bruce brown for that matter was pretty much just all over him uh especially you know as we referred earlier uh in those last like five minutes in the fourth quarter no yeah exactly and um anyways um so that possession uh luca kind of gets doubled for um he gets doubled at the uh, right side wing um then dorian um sets a little flare screen for him nuggets trap him um Luca just whips him behind the back, past the Dorian. I forget who's on the left side wing. Um, you know, the guy who could have helped weak side to try and contest the Dorian shot. He kind of like hedged for a second, um, decided not to contest. I think it might have been Bruce Brown. Um, and then Dorian has a wide open three at the top of the key and he drains it. And Mavericks at this point are up two. Um, and then it essentially, you know, the Nuggets aren't able to capitalize on their opportunities at the other end because Jokic gets fouled by, um, you know, the, Nuggets are running a pick and roll with him, and he kind of just flails. And um, I think it was uh, Dorian, and then he got fouled out. Yeah, no, it was Dorian. Dorian fouled out at that point. Yeah, he had. He had oh, six yeah, he did. He did. Six. He did. Yeah, you're right. He fouled out. Dorian fouled out at that point. Um, Jokic misses the first free throw. Fortunately, he had a really interesting game because the Mavericks did a really good job of doubling him, but also the Nuggets didn't involve him to the extent that I thought they could have. Um, but anyways, after, you know, Jokic misses one, then he uh, makes the second one, and then it's essentially a free throw game until Tim gets it at the end, and the Mavericks are up one, you know, 116-115 with a few seconds left, and Tim misses both free throws. Uh, Nuggets get the rebound. They don't have any timeouts left. Jamal Murray's forced to throw up a heave, and luckily the Mavericks are able to escape as he misses the shot, and they get out of there with an the ugly but needed win. This was a, you know, the sort of gut-wrenching win that we haven't really seen this Mavericks team pull out this year. And, you know, I kind of think that to an extent it does speak volumes to, um, you know, maybe an increased maturation uh, from this team. You know, it wasn't pretty at all in those waning minutes. And, you know, they did almost blow it. So I'm not going to, you know, hop, hop all up on the hype train, calling the Mavericks a good clutch team, you know, saying that they have the mental fortitude to be able to handle any situation. Like they're definitely not there yet, but you know, I would definitely say that it was a step in the right direction. Um, what do you, what were your thoughts um, in terms of the Mavericks ability to pull this one out? Yeah. You know, I, I still think, you know, the Mavericks, the woes of um, I guess these fourth quarter woes, as you will, uh, they definitely caught up to the Mavericks in a sense. I think the Mavericks had built a big enough cushion uh, pretty much before clutch time that this was acceptable or as acceptable as it gets. Uh, but even still, you know, the Mavericks, I want to say they maybe only scored nine points in the final five minutes, which is considered clutch time. Um, and I mean, at that point, I, I just don't think that's a really good clutch time stat. Now, did the Mavericks play just an all around? I, I think they played pretty good all night, um, essentially, like pretty much just to get that lead. 
Uh, and then they built that 10 point lead. And, you know, as we said, the final five minutes that pretty much just slowly uh, got chipped away. But I think defensively uh, in those final five minutes, kind of, you know, Denver was sort of in a scramble offense most of the time. I know he Jokic got some set up plays where he had some things fall in. Um, and then Bruce Brown had some three pointers that he just kind of threw up other than that corner three, that corner three was really clutch. I mean, I also thought, kind of thought that Denver's sort of herky jerkiness uh, throughout the game was kind of a, because of Jamal Murray. I mean, you can just tell he's really, just, yeah, he's, yeah, like, he's not back yet. Like he, he doesn't have, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was like, he's had a, he's had a good start to the season. Um, he's I mean, he averaging... had a good start to the season for, um, you know, a regular NBA player standards, like in terms of like being the lead point guard on a team and what have you. Um, but you know, like just the sort of explosiveness that he carried with himself and the playmaking that, you know, he was really showing, um, you know, obviously a rougher game for him tonight, but you can definitely tell that it was vacant because, um, you know, I'm sure he's obviously had much better games than he had tonight, but, you know, two for 11, only 11 points. It just seemed like he was having a really hard time um, being able to penetrate. Like, I mean, I don't know any other way to put it, um, the Mavericks defenders weren't really like particularly doing anything crazy. And, you know, he was just having a really hard time breaking double teams, you know, making the right read at times. You know, I, I definitely think that a lot of it kind of just boils down to his athleticism and his explosiveness. I, I could easily see that turning around for him. You know, obviously, you know, I'm, he's not played this bad in most games this year, yeah, of course, yeah. but um, you can definitely, you can definitely see that he like lost a step and, you know, he's probably still in the process of regaining that. And that, that you know, in a game where he had a lot uh, – he bared a lot of negative regression, that uh, definitely went to help the Mavericks a lot, I think, because, um, you know, the Mavericks, I thought, played a decent defensive game. They were uh, doing a really good job of rotating at points during this game. Um, you know, there were a lot of times where, um, particularly when Jokic would get the ball in his hands – the Mavericks um, kind of got in scramble mode. And if they brought two, the right read was going to end up being made. And, you know, one of maybe Zeke Naji or Aaron Gordon would get an easy dunk under the basket or Jeff Green, whatever, right? Like there were a lot of sort of plays like that where the rotations were late, but um, particularly on the perimeter, you know, if the Mavericks weren't letting the Nuggets break that, you know, surface level, um, you know, past that really just like that free throw line area um, outwards, basically, if the Mavericks were able to contain them within that, those sort of parameters, it seemed like this Mavericks team was uh, doing a good job closing out on shooters and, um, you know, sticking guys out there, particularly, I thought um, Dorian had a really good defensive game and a surprising guy, um, maybe not as much on ball, of course, because, you know, there were a lot of times um, that I thought really interesting in this game. Um, the Nuggets did a really good job. Like, you know, with Jokic creates so much mismatches just throughout the the flow of the offense, right? Like he yeah. is able to manipulate so many different things on the court just based on his gravity. Um, guys are, you know, scrambled trying to match up with all these down screens and, uh, you know, back screens being set. And, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. would get matched up on Aaron Gordon quite a bit in this game and just get worked in the post. Um, so, you know, things like that were really interesting to see, but for what it's worth, I thought Tim did a pretty decent job, um, sort of eyeballing some of those, uh, passes and, you know, reading some rotations. He had, I think three steals in this game. He did a really good job defending off ball. 
Um, and, you know, from in terms of Tim Hardaway Jr., like <laughs> that's all you can ask for. He took a charge too that seemed like he almost got his nuts uprooted inside him. So, <laughs> um, I mean, from that perspective, you know, we already talked in the intro just about his offensive impact in this game. Um, you know, his ability to pump fake, um, he, you can definitely tell the amount of gravity he's playing with right now. Um, like two guys are rotating towards him at times, um, just when he's getting the ball and it's, you know, it's leading for him to be able to kick it back out to Luca or get a hockey assist to Dorian. Like there's, there's been Tim Hardaway's juniors, you know, his gravity is important and it's really boding well. And, you know, while the Mavericks, that starting lineup that they have out there definitely gives up a lot defensively. And we could see that at times. Uh, just in terms of, you know, the rotations getting uh, mismangled, like I referenced, you know, with that, with the Nuggets, having Jokic out there and being able to do so many different things in terms of getting mismatches and switches, um, you know, the way the Mavericks are shooting right now, it, some in some of these games, it just may not matter. Um, but yeah, uh, like, what did you think of the Mavericks defensive process throughout this game? Yeah, you know, I felt like the Mavericks in times uh really clogged these like passing lanes and uh anytime whether it was Aaron Gordon uh sometimes even Bones Highland or someone like that would drive in the paint uh and this is more so in the third and fourth quarter the Mavericks did a really 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 good job of just getting their hands inside and just prying the ball open or make forcing a bad bad pass in a like a cross-court pass which was result in a steal um I felt like the Mavericks did that really well. And it created at one point, I think it was four turnovers in a row for the Nuggets. Uh, I want to say that was early fourth quarter. And I don't think it really resulted much for the Mavericks offensively, but still, you know, defensively, I mean, that's all you can ask for. And that was that lineup with Tim Hardaway. Uh, I want to say he was like the one of the lone starters, like him and Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, Cause I think it was before Luca had got on the court, but uh, you know, I think just in that sense, you know, effort wise, uh, that's what Tim Hardaway brings you. I'm trying to like center this back to Tim Hardaway right here, but that's what Tim Hardaway brings you is he's bringing you like this effort sort of defense. And that's really what I've noticed over these last few games since he's been in the starting lineup is, you know, he may not have the best defensive presence at all, but he, he's going to fight, um, as, you know, given the matchup, of course, like Aaron Gordon's going to work him all that, but, you know, getting a charge here and there, uh, three steals this game. And, and like, I, I like you mentioned, I think he played pretty good off ball defense, um, I mean, that's like really all you can ask for from Tim Hardaway. Uh, and like, you know, as I mentioned, as a team, like guys did really good at just pretty much sticking. Like, I, I wonder what the stat is of turnover, turnover ratio whenever, um, not even turnover ratio, but like what the Mavs rank in steals and everything, because it, I mean, they got the whole starting lineup pretty much got one minus Luca, which is pretty surprising because he averages two. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, everybody pretty much got a steal tonight. And I think that was pretty interesting to see. Oh yeah, I completely agree. Um, just kind of going through some guys that played here today. Um, what, what did you think of how that starting lineup gelled today and just sort of the rotations that the Mavericks went with today? You know, we saw Christian Wood play 27 minutes. Um, I thought that the pick and roll with Doncic and Powell and Doncic and Wood was really effective today because, you know, I thought Luca did a really good job looking them off and, you know, kind of throwing the nuggets a haymaker with by looking at the wing or the corner and then being able to whip it to the middle. Uh, you know, I thought Wood was a benefactor off a few of those. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I thought that that was something that they could have maybe exploited more in some of those minutes because I honestly thought that in those, you know, Luca Wood minutes or even Luca Powell minutes for, for what it's worth, like the offense seemed like it was going really good and the Mavericks were playing a lot of two big lineups uh, today. Like it was either Wood and Powell out there or Wood and Maxi, you know, barring the beginning of the first and the beginning of the third. So um, what did you think of the dynamism between Luca and Christian Wood tonight? Yeah, you know, I thought it was really well. Uh, I mean, of course it was really well. Uh, Christian Wood resulted in 14 points, uh, and none of which came via three-pointers. I, I think all, like, may, I'm pretty sure all of them, maybe a few Spencer uh, assists here and there, but I'm pretty sure all of them came off of Luka Doncic assists. And he uh, did and a really good job. I mean, um, when he got a mismatch in the post in this game, he did a really good job taking advantage of that on Christian Yeah, Brown no, he, he did do, like, he, he did a really good job. I know at multiple times where he um, had the ball at the free throw line and pretty much would just dribble, uh, noticing, you know, he had whoever it was as a defender and he would just go straight at their face and pretty much just put a shot on uh, the backboard and it would fall in. Um, there was multiple times of that happening tonight. And, you know, Christian Wood just being in the right place at the right time. I know even Maxie, for that matter, uh, was able to just pretty much stand under the basket at some points, just finding himself wide open. Uh, I know Christian Wood assisted Maxi on one of those. Um, and then Luca to Christian Wood, where that he just pretty much was a no look pass in the, the lane. And that, that was, I mean, that was an insane pass. But um, yeah, I think just both those guys, you know, Christian Wood, Maxi Kaliba, even Dwight Powell for that matter. I think Dwight Powell had a really underrated game tonight. He did. He was using um, his hands very well on defense yeah. in the first half against Jokic. Yeah. I, no. um, I mean, obviously, Dwight had, you know, multiple positions where he couldn't flip his hips and he just can't stay with guys or he gets bodied. But in terms of just using his um, his quick little instincts and swiping his hands, like he had a – I know he had one steal, but – Yeah, he had a steal. ball loose a couple times um, off of Jokic, which was really impressive in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, really just all three of those guys, for that matter, were able to get those sort of paint production points um you know Maxi even found himself open for a three that was like the lone three out of those group of guys and you know you typically look at the three-point production coming from Christian Wood and none of that did um and yeah I mean like Dwight Powell uh he had multiple times where and this is I feel like really the first game where we've seen the pick and roll really work multiple times throughout a game uh in Dwight Powell's fashion um Christian Wood you know he got a few to drop uh, and on some of his own offensive production uh, and then Maxi Kleba, of course. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't know if it's like the first time that the pick and rolls worked. Well, it's it game, worked recently. Like, I, yeah, like, I think it's maybe the one of the few times that the pick and rolls worked throughout the game because we see a lot with these Mavericks team. Um, and, you know, teams are not ready to be able to sort of be able to play both sides of the totem pole with Luca when he has the ability to just pop up a floater or um, – you know, obviously the lob threat with the power of wood, like in the first half, I feel like the lob threat is always a much, a little more prevalent than the second half when teams are able to figure it out a little bit. Um, but like, this was one of those games where like, you know, it, we kind of saw it persist throughout the game, which was really cool. Um, partially because I mean, Jokic, I do think, you know, he's obviously an improved defender from, you know, when he first came into the league and, you know, he's, you can call him above average or whatever. Um, but he doesn't have the foot speed to stay with a power of wood in those pick and roll scenarios. And when they would bring him up and involve him in those actions, you can definitely see that it made him uncomfortable. Um, you know, when they're just gliding to the rim like that. And 
I mean, he did a good job uh, dropping at some points, but um, at large, I think that that was a big reason why. And I mean, in Christian Wood's case, like, you know, I, I get kids excuses when, you know, Christian Wood may just be given up. Um, you know, he may be a saloon door on defense at the rim in some games, you know, whatever. But in a game like this where, you know, because we're going to have our personal biases aside because we obviously think Christian Wood should start. Um, but in a game where he has 27 minutes and, he's, you know, going six or seven and he doesn't come in really until I think Dorian fouled out um, for whatever purposes. And I mean, I thought, I mean, Christian Wood had a, he went vertical on uh, Jamal Murray at, on one play uh, where he was coming at him hard in transition or just really hard downhill. I can't remember specifically. Um, and it was one of the best defensive plays I've seen from him this season where he just used his verticality um, and was able to um, keep the ball in bounds to which Spencer was able to save it. It was a great ball. Oh, yeah. That was late in that fourth quarter, I think. Or yeah. uh, like middle fourth quarter, I think. Yeah, before he got subbed out. Um, I mean, so he wasn't really being uh, – you can definitely tell that while he still has his lapses, um, you can see that, you know, he's not just a complete albatross of a defender. Um, an average defender, you know, don't want to label him as give him any sort of amenities in terms of his performance on that side. Like, yeah, no, I would have probably agree with that. But in terms of at least being like a competent defender who can provide – some, you know, sometimes he's going to give it up. But, you know, he'll at least have a few positions where he holds his own. Um, I think he's – you know, because of his – increased knowledge of the Maverick scheme, you can definitely see that that's something that's starting to come into fruition. And it was just really weird to me to not have him out there in those last few minutes, the way he was playing. You know, I know Kid put him in after the Dorian foul out, but uh, it's just one of those scenarios where it's like, you know, we are 24 games into the season now. When is the, you know, I don't who knows about the whole starting lineup thing at this point. That may (laughs) be a sort of non-starter like that, just maybe a non-negotiable for Kid. Um, but can we at least see him in games where he is positively affecting the game? You know, I know Maxi was doing good, um, and, and they, but they put Dwight out there for a few minutes in that fourth quarter, which was like really obscure because his effect definitely tailed off after the first half. It's like, you know, you can like uh, Jason Kidd will play two bigs all game, but the second it gets when the going gets rough, he kind of neglects to do it. You know, I, I get the modern NBA and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, you still have the ability to play five out and, with a Maxi and Wood lineup, and Maxi covers up a lot of Wood's defensive efficiency. So, um, what were your thoughts on why maybe Christian Wood didn't get to play in those last few minutes? I mean, this is obviously a, a gamely question that we have, but you know, we uh, I think that the argument was definitely amplified in this game. Yeah, you know, I think I think you know you have to like kind of just put yourself in the mind. Um, I mean, Jokic hadn't had a very good game all game, and really the only guy who could somewhat on ball like limit him which I will give him credit was kind of Dwight Powell um he was very handsy of course in that first quarter it kind of tailed off throughout the game but even still you know Jokic found it hard to get production and I think that's kind of why you know you stick to White Powell and Jokic just because at any point you expect him to have a usual Jokic moment uh and we didn't see that tonight and I think I'm not I'm not you know trying to uh, I guess yeah yeah I'm not yeah exactly um, because I really don't think it had an effect. I think Jokic just had a bad night. Um, but with that being said, you know, I think, you know, trying to defend Jason Kidd here for the first time this season, um, you know, really the only guy who could somewhat defend Jokic like one-on-one. I, I wouldn't even consider it one-on-one, but. Yeah, because I, I, the Mavericks were collapsing on him at any chance. Yeah, game. exactly. Like Reggie and Dorian did a really good job of stepping up on him when they had the opportunity. Um, it wasn't like 
they were leaving Dwight or Christian or even Maxi on an island out there. So, I mean, I thought this, the strategy was really good, but it was still weird to me that the Nuggets didn't involve him more. But, you know, you do bring up a good point. That may have been a reason. I guess we'll never know. I could just be Jason gets stubbornness. But needless <laughs> to say, I think Christian Wood should – he still should have been out there in those last few minutes. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Let's look at how the but, Mavericks role players play tonight, right? Um, Reggie Bullock, it's, you know, this is just – it's getting interesting at this point. I mean, only 14 minutes, like Josh Green is coming in him, in before him consistently. Um, he had, he went over one from, the, from the field. He had a few good defensive possessions at points um, as you know, that point of attack defender, seeing him not have as heavy of a workload. You can tell that, you know, he has a little more in his legs on defense, which is nice. But I mean, that was, I mean, he, outside of that, I mean, he got a rebound, didn't re- really do anything else. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, I mean, you know, Bones Highland, he had 20 points, and I feel like Reggie was largely guarding him uh, during those 20 points. I will say, Tim, um, you know, Tim got matched up with him during points. Uh, Josh did it. This was probably Josh's worst game of the season. In my yeah, opinion. I was like, I, I would consider that. Yeah, yeah I mean, because even, you know, he's had a few offensive dud games where it just hasn't been really clicking for him on that end. But it, defensively, um, they're like – he got beat back door by bones once um, Christian Brown took him to the hole for a left-handed layup. Like um, I, I, I honestly thought his defense was fine until he got that fourth foul. And cause you know, he was playing pretty aggressive at that point. What if we just saw him sort of tailor off all his aggression and he was being really passive in terms of, you know, not wanting to pick up that last foul, which I get to an extent, but he just wasn't sliding his feet at all. And, you know, with him missing a couple threes on the other end, you know, he missed that one layup in transition early that threw him off. Um, you know, he only played 17 minutes after, prop, you know, one of his best games of the season last game. I fully expect him to get back on track. You know, I don't think this is going to be some sort of, um, you know, indefinite or thing that's going to persist or anything like that. But, you know, he was kind of due for one of these games. And, you know, you, you can definitely obviously still see the growing pains of yeah. you know, being a young player, but, the fact that these are so few and far in between compared to last year, and he's having you know four good, four really great games compared to a game like this. I mean, that's sort of tell all that I look at. But yes, I mean, like defensively and offensively is easily his worst game of the year as well. Um, so you know the Mavericks didn't really get much from those two wings off the bench and him and Reggie, um, but they're sort of saving grace. Obviously, you know we obviously obviously already talked about you know Seawood's offensive impact, but Maxi Kleber did a really good job cutting in this game, um, you know, stayed home on defense when he got matched up on smalls, um, but also did a good job helping. I mean, he, you know, he had a block in this game. Um, he just played a really good game. I mean, he was having such timely cuts because, um, you know, the Mavericks were in scramble mode so much and on offense, you know, I thought both teams were to an extent, right? Um, uh, and I mean, he made a three, like he just seemed like he was in the right place at the right time all night. And we've continued to hammer the uh, head on the, you know, the head of the nail that Maxi is being extremely underlooked and underrated uh, in these last, you know, maybe 10 or so game stretch from the Mavericks after having kind of a rough start to the season. Um, and, you know, he continues to have another good game here. Uh, what were your thoughts on how he fared off the bench is really the only non-Christian Wood guy off the bench to contribute in a large way for the Mavericks tonight. Yeah. You know, I think Maxi, like you mentioned before, he was, like right right place right time uh found himself open for a lot of these cuts um I know he was pretty much like I, I don't know what the Nuggets game plan was but they just like kind of circled him off 
and uh, he was able to expose them in some ways here and there. Um, and defensively, Max, he had a great game. Uh, he was oftentimes the help side defender of, you know, whenever Jokic got the ball in the paint or whoever it was for that matter. Uh, he was oftentimes the guy to come help side defend. And he was really like the guy who started this train of like, like four straight turnovers at one point. And like, I want to say it was like six turnovers in the last like 15 possessions for Denver. Uh, and he was really the guy to kind of start that train. Yeah. Uh, just due to like his sort of cog of just being able to help side defend so well on. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was like whenever Powell or Wood was out there and Maxi was out there with them, he did a great job of collapsing on Jokic um, when he would get inside within like eight feet. Yeah. And, and Aaron Gordon, yeah. I think he had 21 in the first half and like, six the rest of the game and I think Maxi was largely on Gordon whenever it was uh these two big lineups and those two big lineups yeah they definitely did a better job of Gordon in that um first half but I think the Nuggets did such a good job of identifying mismatches with Gordon um and being able to exploit them you know when they got like Tim or small on him I mean I I didn't realize how good of a post player Aaron Gordon was but yeah, no, was he, definitely yeah. exemplified in this game and you know in that first half you know they ran a few I thought some of those uh, Highland Jokic pick and rolls, particularly because Murray, his pacing and his, um, you know, ability to probe in the pick and roll just looked really off tonight. It wasn't even really as much of an athleticism thing. It kind of looked like a mental thing at at times, you know. You know, I could see how you could have those growing pains, though, coming back from an ACL, of course. Um, But Highland and Jokic were really exploiting the Mavericks in the pick and roll, just, um, you know, simple bounce pass that the Mavericks would come up on bones and, you know, they wouldn't be able to hedge and recover at all in time. And Jokic was able to just make these nice little floaters. And But they were able to kind of uh, patch that fairly quickly, largely in due to uh, Maxi's ability to be able to switch onto a small and onto Jokic. Uh, so, I mean, that was nice that they were, I think it was in either the second or third quarter where that was kind of a thing. And they were to patch that. Um, so that was really good to see. And, you know, I, I, like I said, he just had a really underrated game. Um Let's get into uh, the other man of the hour, you know, probably would be the player of the game if it wasn't for Tim Hardaway Jr.'s insane shooting. Dorian Finney-Smith had an awesome defensive game with three steals, 19 points, five for 10 from the three-point line. I mean, I, that might be one of his highest clip-for-clip clip, uh, three-point shooting games this year, uh, seven for 13 from the field. Um, he was attacking at points on offense in this game. You know, he's progressively got a little bit better each game at being – you know, a little more assertive at points on offense this year after kind of looking timid to start the year, which is interesting because, you know, we saw this as a guy who at least, you know, while he doesn't have a sort of diverse offensive portfolio, this is a guy who can at least attack off a closeout and get to the rim if need be at times. Um, what were you, what did you see from Dorian? You know, we obviously talked to the clutch about the clutch shot at the beginning, uh, but what did you see from this game that, you know, got you excited about his play? Yeah, Dorian offensively, I, I something I see like more and more prevalent every single day or every single game, I should say, uh, is the, his, able, his ability to drive. Like I feel like at, he did it more than once today. I feel like it only worked at like two points or one point to, uh, right, today. But it was just like the, you know, it was the gravity that he was attracting. Yeah, he was attracting more. gravity. Yeah. I know at one point he got the ball, uh, I want to say, uh, like, correct me, I think it was just like, maybe a little um, hockey hockey pass or hockey assist, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he decided to just drive, and he got a one-hand slam um, on a yeah. wide-open paint. And, like, that's just, you know, pure 
ability. Like you see a wide open lane and you're like, okay, I'm going to take it to the hole. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, and I know that got the bench guys going. Uh, but defensively, you know, I want to say he was matched up Mark, like uh, mainly up against Jamal Murray. Uh, and, you know, Murray, of course, not having the best game, being a little slow here and there. Uh, Dorian was able to break off his man and just pretty much be the help side or like one of the main help side defenders. And I, he had three steals. I think a lot of them occurred off ball. Um, but he was really one of the main culprits in this sort of like help side train that caused like six turnovers from uh, Denver. I know they had 13 on the game, but I want to say six, like all in the second half were caused by like this sort of help side train. And, you know, he was one of the main culprits of that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, the Mavericks as a whole had 10 steals in this game. You look at the box where you're like, Oh, Denver only had 13 uh, turnovers, but like three of those were travels and the other 10 were Maverick steals. So, I mean that uh, anytime you get a 10 steal or above game, that's always a, you know, definitely a great indictment upon what you got, what a team is doing just in terms of their collective team defense. Cause you can't get 10 steals just based off, you know, guys being able to lock guys up one-on-one in the NBA. That's, you know, that's rarely ever going to happen. Yeah. Um, unless you're like the Raptors and you just have wings galore and you can just throw anybody at anybody. <laughs> but um, needless to say, I would definitely agree with you. That was a, honestly a great assessment of how Dorian's game was tonight uh, from a defensive and offensive perspective. Um, you know, one guy who has a continued sort of dwindling role, especially with Tim in the starting lineup, um, just from Tim's ability to, maybe not play make like this guy, but create his own shot and, you know, be able to, you know, step through on a closeout and hit a mid-range jump shot or make a three. This is kind of lessening the amount of attempts this guy is getting in the offense. And that's Spencer Dinwiddie, 31 minutes, three for eight from the field, 13 points, uh, six for six from the free throw line, one for two from the field. Uh, I mean, one for two from the three-point line. What did you get out of his game tonight? I mean, I I thought at points it kind of looked, um, you know, I, he did a decent job running the second unit at points. He took advantages of a few mismatches, especially when he got bones on him. He was able to bully him in the post, but we really only saw him kind of assert himself in those non-Luca minutes. Um, did you, what are you thinking about his fit in the starting lineup right now? Yeah. So I, I think I kind of alluded to this last night. Like, um, I mean, just talking starting lineup, like honestly, like with Josh Green's emergence and especially energy that he brings to this team, it honestly wouldn't be a bad jolt. Um I feel like if you're replacing anybody for Josh Green, it has to be Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, I think there's a few lineup adjustments you can make. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like this team has won three in a row. Uh, and with that being said, like, I think if you're trying to make improvements, I feel like Dinwiddie might be the odd guy out. Um, I mean, even still, you know, Dinwiddie, like you said, like, I mean, he applied himself in these non of minutes, making him even more valuable off the bench. Uh three for eight from the field and six to six from the free throw line. I, I noticed he was really aggressive from the free, trying to get to the free throw line uh, as he did in the Phoenix game. He didn't really get to the, the line quite enough uh, in that Phoenix game, of course, but he, he did tonight um, ended up with 13 points. And honestly, I mean, like he was a little blocky at points. Uh, like I didn't even notice him on the floor at times, right. at times that he was like one of the only guys dribbling. Uh, it was just kind of like a weird game from him where like I said, you know, at times he would dribble the whole ball out or clock out and then just somehow get to the free throw line or um, just you didn't even notice him. Yeah, no, exactly. I I think there is sort of some weird dynamics at play in terms of his fit in the starting lineup, but I don't want people to start getting the memo that he's not important to the team, if that makes sense, because 
they sorely need another ball handler now. Whether he's coming, uh, he had seven bench. assists. Yeah, exactly. Whether he's coming in, you know, like he's a great ball mover and just being able to find guys in the right place, even if he can't make the sheer kind of passes that a Luca or a Josh Green can make. And I, I just don't want people to get the memo that he's not important to the team. Uh, we're just saying this: this certain lineup combination, combination with the way Tim is shooting right now, is maybe not idealistic. You'd rather get a guy who, and Josh Green, who can be a better, um, you know, who may not have the ball set as much, and um, will do some different things uh, playmaking wise than Dinwiddie. You know, not, um, I guess, the same type of playmaking in terms of being a primary creator initiator uh, with the ball that didn't what he would be but you know a guy who can pass on the move you know you maybe not you maybe don't take too much of a drop off there just because of josh green's ability to pass in the short roll and um you know pass coming off a curl off and going downhill and make those one-handed wraparound baseline passes going 100 miles an hour right um you know there is credence to the fact that maybe it could be a better gelling starting lineup you just plug josh green in there um, but then what he could still have a very prominent role as a lead ball handler off the bench, something the Mavericks sorely need. Right. And I, I don't know if that's something that would work into the playoffs, because I think that, um, you know, the Mavericks could easily get exposed, not having another ball handler in their starting lineup. Um, but I don't know. It is, it is a good thought. And I've seen it thrown out on Twitter by a lot of fans. Um, but it also does warrant the discussion um, that I, I think this may need to be saved for a bigger podcast, but um, is Tim Hardaway Jr. back? Like, you know, this, <laughs> This whole sort of thing that we're scheming with Josh Green playing over Dinwiddie in the starting lineup, um, it only works if Tim Hardaway Jr. is shooting the lights out. And, you know, while this is one of the best five-game stretches of his career, like without a doubt, um, you know, like what is the level of consistency we're going to see from Tim? Because, I mean, he had a terrible start to the season, right? Um, is it somewhere in between these crazy three-point heroics and what he was doing to start the season? Because if that's the case, you know – you could probably still start him. Um, but I mean, if this, if this is just, you know, some sort of one-off stretch, I mean, oh, this is like, you know, he's probably going to end up getting relegated to the bench at some point. Right. Um, but you know, if this is like consistent, um, I mean, who knows, like there are a lot of different narratives and, you know, while Tim is playing some decent off ball defense right now, make no mistake about it. He's obviously still a minus defender. Um, you know, he still has his holes, even despite as good as he's shooting the ball right now. Um, so I guess I wanted to pose this question to you without getting into specifics. Should the Mavericks be looking, you know, around that December 15th period, um, really yeah. on eight days from now when a lot of players become available, is this a guy that sh the Mavericks maybe should be looking at to capitalize? Do you think that we've had enough sample size as Tim Hardaway Jr. of a Dallas, you know, being a Dallas Maverick to know that, you know, he's going to regress a little at some point, or do you think he can be a little more consistent this year? Even if it's not 29 points, he could at least, you know, be a guy that's getting that consistent 15, 20 points a game, kind of like his, you know, the really only one season I can remember him doing that consistently uh, was that um, 2020, 2021 season, um, year after the bubble. Do we, do you think that he, we could get that from him or do you think that the Mavericks should really try to capitalize on the way he's playing right now? Yeah. I mean, after the start or like just even, you know, for that matter, the last or the, the former 19, uh, games before this five game stretch of Tim Hardaway. I mean, that you it's just hard not to, you know, wonder like how long is this going to last? I think if we see it for more than 10 games, you know, maybe we can make an argument that he is back uh, or half of him is back or whatever it may be. Um, but with that being said, yeah, you know, like as you mentioned, with December 15th coming up, uh, 
as a trade asset have have the Mavericks seen enough of him to be like okay like we know this is going to go away eventually so let's get the best value out of him possible he's averaging what 24 game or 24 points right now in the last last five five games games. yeah in the last five games uh I mean like a team like the Lakers a team that needs some shooting uh like why not take a take a uh take a uh a chance has a lot of stutters um but you, you know like I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, like this starting lineup is the best you can put on, um, you know, maybe insert Spencer for Josh Green. Um, but with the emergence of Tim Hardaway, like it's just hard to like, I you guess. picture. No, yeah, you can't not start. Yeah, that's the thing is like you can't not start him. Um, and we know I mean, it was like, so weird because we didn't start in this position doing this like Jason Kidd just threw him out there and all yeah, this just threw him out there. It. Which we know historically by throwing Tim Hardaway in the starting lineup, like his points per game average just jumps up by like eight points. Um, but even still, you know, is this consistent enough to be, uh, I mean, at least is he going to average like in his worst games, is he going to have like still good 11 point production? I mean, I think there's an argument to be made there. I think there's plenty of guys that the Mavericks could get. And at this rate, I mean, granted, it's only a five game stretch, but have we seen enough to call him a positive asset at all? Like, yeah, I, I would that's, say, that's the whole. That's this is why we're not a GM, right? Because yeah, I know exactly. Um, <laughs> I would I still mean, say no, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he's done enough to become a positive asset yet. I mean, I know some of you guys on Twitter might be higher than him on um than we are, for instance. Like, and I'm, I'm definitely riding the wave in, in terms of the Tim Lott streak. Like, let's let's go. Like, I'm hyped, obviously, but you know, it's just like you can't. These, these five games are not a sort of cure-all just for the terrible start that the season they had coming off the injury. So we're really just going to have to just see continued consistency. Um, but, yeah, it's it's an interesting sort of play that I, you know, wanted to at least touch on while that, without getting into, like, oh, this specific trade package, you know, all that. Um, I guess before we wrap this up, let, let's look at some of what the Nuggets players were able to do tonight. You know, like we talked about, Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown both did a really good job on terms of being a primary defender on Luca at points and Caldwell Pope. I really like their, I, I love that starting lineup because they have such good, yeah. um, they just have such good fits around Jokic and Murray when both of those guys are clicking. Um, MPJ, of course, was out with an injury tonight, um, didn't play, but, uh, you know, Bones Highland came off and kind of filled the, uh, the void that Murray left off the bench really well. He, uh, you know, while he may have had more points that one game versus the Mavs, I think in their second meeting. Um, yeah, on or, November yeah, 20th. I honestly thought this was a much more efficient game from him. Like, he just seemed like he was clicking on all cylinders, using his um, using his speed, like, to a T. Had five assists, 20 points. But, I mean, he just was ma- manipulating the defense and, like, Jamal crossover with passing ability type ways tonight. And, he was hitting a lot of threes. Like it was, he's really fun to watch. Um, Jeff Green, you know, he's always a steady veteran. Somehow, still comes in and acts as a really good like cutter and he, like sword over offensive, the yeah, monster. offensive rebounder. Like he, you know, a guy who can hit a spot up three. Like I mean, I don't know how he's doing it at this age, but <laughs> he played some good minutes off the bench for him. You know, Zeke Naji, uh, Zeke Naji, also a guy to Arizona. You know, who is um drafted in the same draft class as uh, Josh Green. So they were they were boys up there. Um, but, you know, he's an interesting big that comes in for Jokic off the bench. I really like what he brings. I mean, he's always been a really steady defender in all these three matchups we've had versus the Nuggets. And um, I don't know, he's a 
he's an interesting little piece. I'd like to see if they could incorporate him more because he has this sort of three and D ability that at that size, it's kind of like, he kind of gives me maxi vibes to an extent, like young maxi vibes. You get that from him. Yeah, no, I mean like all defense. Uh, I mean like the offensive production, like you see at times, um, I guess you see at times where his offense could be, um, but even still, like, you know, he, he still has his one-off games like tonight. I mean, he only had two points, uh, but I feel like his like season. I, I feel like he's had like a 13 point game this season. Um, but yeah, you know, just defensively, like he is, he's a, he's a really good anchor coming off the bench for them. Yeah. Um, one guy, you know, that kind of is again going under the radar. Cause you know, I, I know a lot of normal NBA fans probably wouldn't look into him too much, but since we've seen the Nuggets play three times this year, I'm starting to kind of get him to, to know him a little bit. He's kind of, been eh, clunky offensively but you can like tell that the process is there like you can see why like he does some stuff to like just in terms of even if he doesn't hit the shot like you can like see why the Nuggets selected him in that first round that's Christian Braun he um he made a three tonight and he made that layup of course but I don't know like he's he's a big kid like you're just seeing him out there like he's like six 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 seven and he's a good like 220 230 and it's it's not it's not fat. And um, I mean, he, he's really stout on defense. Like surprisingly enough, like they put him like Michael Malone subbed him in for like one of those defensive lineups late, like off of a free throw, like um, I, you know, I don't know what his wingspan is and all that. Um, You know, you probably gets the label of course, being a white guy, you know, especially a white American kid coming out of college that he can't defend. But I mean, I, I obviously haven't seen him that length enough to really, formulate this opinion but I like face value like he honestly looks like he could be a really good 3 and D player in this league one day um his jump shot looks really good um but yeah I mean barring that we already already talked about the Nuggets starters um Caldwell Pope with another really good game you know I, I just love him and Bruce Brown man because yeah that, that they're, they're just like the penultimate opposite of Reggie Bullock and Finney Smith in terms of 3 and D guys who you know maybe they sacrifice the pureness of the three and D just a little bit, but I mean, they, both of those guys can like take DHOs and do some different ball handling duties, like sparingly if they need to. And, you know, they did that a few times tonight and, you know, hit some mid range pull-up jump shots and I don't know. It's just like, it, I'm very envious of that. And it, it was cool to see them. Um, they, they did. I thought both of them had pretty good games, even, you know, you, cause we saw like, them be able to you know obviously while it wasn't idealistic and you know their efficiency wasn't as good we saw that they could really fill it up when Jokic and Murray are out and it was really cool to see when they are playing how they were used as a complimentary piece next to them um you know the Nuggets had an off night tonight and the Mavericks had a really good schematic um you know defensive game against Jokic but um, this could have easily swung the other way if the Jamal Murray was hitting like you know don't make any mistake about this that this was like the Mavericks just running away with this game. Do you have any other closing thoughts just in terms of, um, you know, the Nuggets or the Mavericks or, you know, while it was a good win, maybe, you know, the Mavericks still have things to work on. Like, what are, do you have any other summations that you want to kind of take from this one? Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a, a great win for the Mavericks. Uh, like I think this is probably one of the most, most needed wins. Uh, and they went out and they did that. Um in a very hostile environment. I mean, this, I'm not going to lie, like this felt like a playoff game at times. Uh, Bruce Brown, especially after he hit that three-pointer, like that, I mean, I'm, I'm, 
I don't know. I mean, it just it felt like a different vibe. It just felt like the playoffs are back. Um, I will definitely admit, like at times, this team looked a little like the old Mavericks. Uh, I mean, again, like we're scratching at that, um, where you know it's not totally Luca offense centric or heliocentric, I should say. Um, like that is the basis of their offensive system. Is like, yes, like Luca. I mean, oh my God, it's getting late, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> heliocentrism right um but at this um but like i i think what you're trying to hint at is just like involving others more but yeah if other guys are the whole burden yeah. yeah uh dorian was hitting like we hadn't seen him had a great night like this and like until the or um i guess last like time we saw yeah. this was really in the playoffs um so yeah that's what i was pretty much just trying to hint at um but yeah i mean like this this felt like a playoff game more than I think any other game this season. Yeah, no, I I hundred percent agree. And like, it was a it was like I'm just really happy they got the win in this one because the Nuggets I didn't really feel like played up to the how they could have you know barring Aaron Gordon, um, exploiting mismatches and being a really good cog in the dunker spot. Like there, you know everybody else was like eh, like you know um, besides Bones of course off the bench. So I mean like. It was a really ugly win, and it was one that if we caught the Nuggets on another night, um, we could have easily lost. But it was really impressive from the standpoint. Second night of a back-to-back um, in the high altitude. You know, our first, playing. like, back-to-back two wins in a row, I think. Oh, yeah, and it was our first time winning both of the games on the back-to-back. So, you know, from that standpoint, it was just a really nice win to uh, close out um, this little back-to-back. Now we got two days off, thank God. Me and Jaren are expelling ourselves right now because we're having a finals in school this week in tandem with the podcast, and we got a lot of work stuff, but we're still cranking these guys um, out for you. Um, But, you know, hopefully we're able to start these a little bit earlier um, now that we're about to go on winter break. So 3.30 a.m., baby. Yes, for for the the late night squad, if you guys, those are up there like at 1 or 2 a.m., hopefully we can get some out for you guys. But right now we're just getting the people in – any of y'all listening on your early morning commute, shout out to you. Um, but anyways, we will catch you guys in the next one. We're going to take, um, you know, we maybe might do a little. Um, you want to do a Milwaukee preview? We might. Oh, no. Well, I was going to say we might do like a trade thing, you know, with all that oh, yeah, yeah, agenda is coming up within the next two days, but no guarantees, guys. Um, we we definitely kind of sorely need some rest right now. So we might be waiting till the Bucks game, but if we have the opportunity, we'll try to crank out some content for you guys. Hey, it definitely won't be Wednesday night, but do you, maybe do you know Thursday what time the Bucks game is? Because I do. Uh, Jaron always knows it. All right, tell, tell us. <laughs> uh, it, it'll be Friday night at 9 p.m. in the AAC oh. uh, on ESPN. All right, there you go on ESPN. Uh, let's, that, that's going to be a tough one. Well, yeah. I don't know what's up with all these 9 p.m. games at the AAC. But, yeah, I mean, the AAC, yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah, for, I know a lot of people complain about the late games, but me being young and all and – um like i have to fill up so much stuff during my day so i don't really hate them that much i mean i it's on espn so i can rewatch it but exactly yeah i was like I, i'm not too i'm not too pressed about it so yeah but anyways we're kind of rambling now so we'll catch you guys in the next one make sure to follow us on twitter at mainstream underscore maps subscribe and like us on apple Podcasts or spotify give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast we are on almost all plot podcast platforms um but yeah we appreciate if you guys have listened this far and we will catch you guys after the Milwaukee game, potentially Thursday night, if we um, feel up to it, we'll we'll record a sort of you know maybe some fake trade podcast to sort of dive into some different things the Mavericks could do and 
you know, this sort of asset management personnel, this roster, all that sort of stuff. We'll get into that if we so if we have time on Thursday. So stay tuned for that if that comes in fruition. But more than likely, probably going to be uh, after the Bucks game on Friday. But we'll catch you guys in the next one.